This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. What is up? Stop the presses. We have some information for you here on the Coast to Coast podcast. This is an emergency edition of the pod, and we're still brought to you by Johnny T-Shirt. All right, I'm Joey Powell, emergency edition of the Coast to Coast podcast. You know what that means. Usually big news for the Tar Heel basketball program. And today is no different as the Tar Heels have secured a commitment from Elliot Cadeau, a 6'1", 165-pound point guard, originally from uh, Bergen, New Jersey. That's upstate, you know, that area up there, I think. I think Bergen is upstate. I know I know uh, Hubert Davis loves him, some New York New Jersey guys. So we're going to say Bergen is upstate, but it's it's New Jersey. Who cares? Um, he now currently plays at the Link Academy in Branson, uh, Missouri, and uh, plays for the New Heights Lightning on the EYBL circuit. But why this matters, he's the number one point guard in his class, number eight player overall currently as 24 sport, 24-7 sports lists him. To break this all down, we got to have Sherelle McMillan and Sean Moran. Sherelle, how you living, man? I'm good. Uh, exciting news for UNC basketball. Uh, long, time, long time coming, I guess. Absolutely. Sean Moran, how you feeling, buddy? Doing doing well. Yeah, you've been, you've been in the cave watching cut-ups, I'm sure. Sherelle, uh, <laughs> let's just let's start this out. I mean, this is a huge recruit for Hubert Davis and his staff. Uh, you know, he's obviously a top 10 kid. Uh, you know, the kid has got dual citizenship with the U.S. and Sweden, uh, he's got a five-figure NIL deal with Vitamin Well, which is apparently is a, a drink from uh, from Sweden. Uh, he's a Rock Nation kid. All of these things are new to us and new to the college basketball landscape. But at the end of the day, he's still a top 10 overall player and the number one point guard in the class. It's a big deal. Tell us how UNC got him. It is a huge deal. And I would go so far as to say it's kind of the first um, recruit of the new era for UNC and that, that's kind of in this NIL representation uh, era where players have a ton of power and players are kind of using that to determine the best possible situation for them on and off the court. That's what guys did before, but the, the reasoning was slightly different. And I think with Cadeau, in addition to uh, what Hubert Davis and, and Jeff Lebo and Brad Frederick and Sean May told him about the UNC program, which is, you know, th- their guards have freedom. Um, they want to get up and down the court. 
um, the need for kind of that true point guard, which is what we'll we'll talk about, uh, I think, a lot when it comes to Godot. But also, he saw what happened to the players on the team last year when they got to the biggest stage of, you know, uh, the National Championship Final Four with North Carolina on their shirts. It was very lucrative for them in, in many areas. And so I think what you're seeing is the first time a recruit uh, for North Carolina's purposes didn't just say, well, you know, what can you do for me right now? He saw kind of a vision of, wow, this is North Carolina basketball. And there's a lot of stuff and a lot of fans and a lot of things that come with North Carolina basketball. What a great opportunity for me on the court as well as off the court. Um, so I, I think that's why I say it's kind of the, the first one of this new era, because I think uh, those are the things he considered. It wasn't just, you know, I love North Carolina basketball and they need a point guard. It was those things. Plus, we'll look at what North Carolina basketball can do for me off the court as far as NIL um, and, and those other factors. So uh, did not think we'd be talking about this three months ago, I, I must admit. Um, so a, a huge win for Hero Davis and his staff. This is the the second with an asterisk uh, top 10 uh, commit that they've gotten uh, in just over, what, I guess 20 months now, 19 months since he took over. Um, so a big deal and at the most important position. Absolutely. If you know anything about college ball now, it's that you know, point guards make all the difference in the world. And if you go back and look at North Carolina's history, when they've excelled is when they've had somebody great uh, handling the ball for them and, and kind of triggering the offense. Sean, I want to come back to Sherelle for this because he wrote the piece that's on Inside Carolina right now about you know the slanderous <laughs> dubbing of uh, a point guard now as a, a true point guard and kind of all the negative connotation that's come with that. But when I've watched this kid, I see a kid that's just got, as the kids say, some sick bounce. He's quick to change direction. Tell us why he's so much more than a point guard. Well, yeah, I think he is much more than a point guard. But the great thing is, is that he is a pa he is a pass first guard. Um, he, I'd say, his main strength is his passing ability, is his ability to read where people are going, how the defense is going to react, and I think. Um, you know, that was a staple in some of UNC's earlier point guards under Roy Williams before they became more of the score, you know, scores first, um, you know, more of the two ones that we've been, we've been seeing. Um, but to your point, Joey, we'll put passing aside for the second, but yeah, he can, he can fill it up in peach jam. He had uh, numerous double digit scoring performances. Uh, he played in Europe this summer in the U18 European B division. And he had 33 points in the gold medal game. Uh, so he can fill it up pretty quickly and he, he can do it in a variety of ways, uh, you know, from, from outside shooting to attacking the basket uh, to even I'd say right now, he's probably most comfortable stopping popping from, uh, you know, 15 to 17 feet as well. So he's got a pretty dynamic arsenal um, and, and definitely excited to see how that uh, continues to grow before his time in Chapel Hill. Yeah, one of the things that you usually see with kids like this is they, they end up developing a jump shot. They end up developing their offensive game, but uh, he's got a lot of tools in his tool in his toolbox right now. Sherelle, you want to elaborate a little bit more about uh, about kind of the trying to shoehorn players like this into the true point guard and why it's it's kind of a misnomer. Well, uh, well, let me start with there was a point in time where. Even saying point guard was kind of dirty. We 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 changed our nomenclature <laughs> lead to, guard. Say, to say lead guard, and I think too for too long there's this notion that um, there should be a guy on the team who can't shoot, uh, who doesn't contribute anything offensively other than passing, and that's the person who sets everything up. And uh, I think 
we've gone to more to like primary facilitator that kind of language uh, because you the guy with the ball in his hands has to be able to score because he's got the ball in his hands the most so i think a non-scoring point guard in this day and age you really hurt your team um but that shouldn't be at the expense of being able to run the team to facilitate to pass to to do all those things that traditional point guards do and that i think that's where the term lead guard came from because you're kind of molding those two, what used to be two different positions, into one, um, which you know allows a lot of the dynamic shooting guards and guys who are primary scorers to do their thing because uh, you have someone at the one who can do a little bit of everything. Then that person at the two or at the three or wherever they are can focus on scoring. Uh, so that's part of it. Um, and, and then with Cadeau in general, man, like Sean said, just his passing ability. Um, uh, I'm not going to say it hasn't been seen in Chapel Hill for a while, but the consistency in which he does it, the things that he can see before it happens. Um, I was always told that's the sign of a great point guard is someone who can kind of see the pass ahead of the pass. Um, that's what Kendall Marshall was so good at at, at UNC back in the day. And Cadeau uh, definitely does, has that. You talk to, you know, Deshaun London, who's watched him for the last, I think, five or six years since he was like in seventh grade. Uh, Deshaun's a 24-7 uh, national recruiting mm-hmm. analyst. Eric Bossy, um, Adam, the, the whole crew. Um, they all just rave about his passing ability. And I, I think um, talking to some people close to the UNT program, same thing. Um, they acknowledge that he's not, uh, you know, I don't know if he'll ever be like a 25 points per game person, even though he can score 25 or 30 in a game. Um, but they just rave about his ability to pass and, and set things up. Uh, so that's something that's different from UNC's current guards. And that's not uh, a demerit to them at all uh, because they just play a different style. But this is something that UNC hasn't had in, in some time. You're going to make a lot of our listeners happy when you mention the name Kendall Marshall because, uh, you know, just even the way that that kid's career uh, ended at UNC, there's a lot of folks that remember him incredibly fondly and how he was able to facilitate with so many other uh, talents on that squad. And to your point, he could score if he needed to. Um, Sherelle, I want to stay here a little bit. We talked about earlier how different your recruiting is now and how you know Cadeau's kind of the the first of these line of new recruits in the area of name image and then era of name image and likeness how important is getting a kid like this for Hubert Davis right now uh for you know the, the 24 class how how big of a deal is this it, it's like getting the quarterback in football it's the first position you usually try to to secure in your class obviously they had Drake Powell commit back in September so he's not the first one but now you know the future of the backcourt is is pretty much set for for UNC for at least a year or two, um, between R.J. Davis and and Simeon Wilcher and uh, now Cadeau and Demarco Dunn and and Seb Trimble, whatever all those guys decide to do, Hubert Davis has shown a propensity. If you look at Adrian's stuff uh, from a couple of days ago, to play three guard lineups, uh, to play multiple ball handlers at the same time, so he's going to have plenty of options to do that. I think. With Cadeau, uh, another reason he's kind of a, a new era recruit is because, frankly, we don't know when he's going to arrive in Chapel Hill, and that is new territory for UNC. Uh, he has the ability, if he wants, to reclass into 2023, which means he would arrive in June, uh, of in June, this coming June, or he can stay in 2024, which means he would uh, enroll not this coming June of 2023, but June of 2024. And I think that decision will come uh, probably after EYBL, uh, he said that he wants to play again. Uh, and I think it'll a lot of it will be determined by who stays and who goes. Um, so just the fact that we don't know what class he's in yet, uh, is, again, is just a, a different thing for UNC basketball and how 
they've typically recruited and, and how players typically come. And he is an older kid for his class, right? Correct. Okay. Uh, Sean, I want to ask you, you've had a chance to see uh, Cadeau play a little bit, but in a couple of different settings. I mentioned earlier, he's got dual citizenship with Sweden as well. So he's played internationally. Uh, he's played, like I said earlier, with the New Heights Lightning and EYBL circuit. Uh, and he's playing at Link Academy. Sean, can you break down a little bit about how his roles might vary in those different settings? Yeah, to your point, he has played played in a lot of different settings. One one thing to touch on about the the age. So he he turned, correct me if I'm wrong, but he turned 18 this September. So basically, would have been old if he had been a senior, which means next year if he stays in high school, he'll be turning 19. And if he does stay in the class, he'll be 20. Uh, basically, when when starting his Chapel Hill career, uh, which definitely errs on the the side of uh, you know usually so- sophomore um, in terms of in terms of age, but from on the court, you know, freshman year played at Bergen Catholic, uh, I think played around 11 games and their season was cut short because of COVID. He missed his whole sophomore season uh, because of a, an ankle injury. And he didn't really, I think, pick up AAU until the second, I think second live period or, or late in the spring, springtime. So, um, you know, really those two years, even though he's older, he, he's still pretty young just from an experience standpoint. And I think you, you've seen a lot of his numbers start to increase, especially when it started to come uh, July from either the Kansas City EYBL or the, the Peach Jam EYBL and then into, uh, into play overseas. So uh, going, you know, AAU, uh, definitely very athletic setting that you're going against in, in the Nike EYBL. Um, and he more than, more than held his own, uh, kind of had a dynamic duo for the New Heights Lightning guard, guard spots. Um, and, and even in peach jam was going against some of the, the top players, best athletes. And then all of a sudden he goes over to, to Europe and Sweden, where he probably has maybe a few practices under his belt. Doesn't have, I don't think that much experience with his teammates and he's forced into a, a new role, uh, now where he is easily one of the more athletic and, and better players there. So he's asked to ask to score more, uh, but you can't go over there and, and all of a sudden, you know, you're shooting 30 shots a game and not passing the ball. So it, it did show his ability to take on that, really that scoring lead, but doing so uh, while getting everybody involved. And and when, just from looking at at some of his averages and his numbers there, I mean, he was, was, was going back to the gold medal game, 33 points, I think nine assists, something around that. And the thing with him, he does have a propensity to, maybe over, over dribble or um, force a pass here, here and there. But a lot of that is because he is reading what the defense is doing almost a step before everybody else. And, you know, in that gold medal game, he, uh, he committed two turnovers in the, the third quarter and Denmark had cut it to four points. They took him out to settle him down. When he came back in, the lead was six, but right when he came back in, all of a sudden it was pushed out to 14 real quick in terms of, um, attacking the paint, getting other, getting other teammates involved and kind of mixing up the scoring and the passing. And then finally link Academy, uh, I think by most publications, right? Number one in high school right now, uh, they just played two games in the city of Palms tournament undefeated. And you have guys, you know, pretty much the whole starting lineup is high major, uh, division one. So once again, now you're in more of a facilitator role, you don't need to score nearly as much, but 
in the first game of City of Palms, it was a tied game with 42 seconds left, and Cadeau took the ball, um, attacked the basket, and hit what was the game-winning game-winning bucket. So, I think all the, all that being said, all those different experiences will help him when he does get to Chapel Hill, when everybody is very talented, and he's going to need to fit in um, in different circumstances depending on who's who's around him on the court as well as who's on the team at that current time. Yeah, it's one hell of a resume, all that stuff you just listed out. Sean, real quick for the folks that are you know, that are interested, what do you think was his best performance over the past uh, EYBL season that, that people could probably go find on YouTube? Well, it's pretty easy to find find highlights on, on YouTube, but I'd say probably his last game uh, in Peach Jam, he had 16 and 9. Um, one of the games I got to watch in Kansas City, which was actually an extremely fun one because it was – ended up being the last game of the day, went into overtime and ended on a buzzer beater. If I remember, uh, that one was against Mocan elite. He had 15 and eight. Um, and then in terms of entertainment value was probably the CP three game, which was his second to last game. He had 15 and eight, um, only shot six of 14. So he wasn't as efficient as, uh, as maybe he normally is, but he was going against Dylan Ham and, all the way uh, and, and really turn it on in the second half. Uh, New Heights Lightning was playing from behind a majority of the game. And uh, there's a little stretch in the, in the fourth quarter where, you know, two steals, a, a bucket um, was again, some really, really nice, nice assists playing strong defense as well. So I'd say the CP three game from an entertainment perspective, uh, but then the all, all Ohio game from, from a better, better performance. And then, Finally, that Sweden Denmark gold medal game uh, is on YouTube, and and uh, you know that was a that was an entertaining one to watch as well. So a little behind the scenes of kind of how we do things at IC. Uh, so again, we went back in April last year to Orlando. That was the first session of EYBL. It was three and a half days after the national championship game. So that tells you kind of put you in the place where we were. Cadeau uh, wasn't there at that setting, so we didn't get a chance to see him. And so the way it works out is that, you know, we can't travel everywhere. Um, so we, we chose to go back down for a top 100 camp. Sean was at EYBL in Kansas, but we kind of missed Cadeau because we weren't able to, he didn't play that first session and we didn't have another chance to see him for a while. So our first real opportunity to see him was at Peach Jam. And, we you know, obviously Hubert Davis and staff have been talking to him. So it wasn't like this one game was make it or break it for him or anything when, as far as an offer. Um, so we're, we're set up, me and Ben on the side, ready to watch. Um, they have another guy, another, uh, guard on the team to hide Pettiford, who's another really good kind of combo lead guard. Who's going to go to a high major school. And the team was terrible. I mean, they were awful that night. They, they were bad. They lost to somebody they had no business losing to. And we're sitting there like, oh, so this, what's going to happen now? Cause Hubert, you know, he didn't look enthused. You can't take how the, the coaches are looking on the sideline is too much from one game. Um, so then the next day we find out that UNC is offered while at Peach Jam. We're like, okay, well, we're going to go see him. But the way it worked out, there was another prospect who has since gone to a different school playing at the same time. So I went and watched the first half of that CP3 game, uh, uh, New Heights CP3, but I had to go watch the other prospect in the second half. So we didn't get to see kind of that, uh, I guess, explosion. When I left the game, they were down by 16 or 17. Um, it wasn't close at all so just a, a little uh, of the minutiae of how we try to operate and, and get to see guys uh, so suffice to say the first time we saw him he wasn't good but then from there on every time i've seen highlights or, or watched him he's, he's been good so 
Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Cheryl, you touched a, a minute ago on the, the fact that he's got a decision to make with regard to reclass. I think historically, point guards have struggled with reclassifying and, and just, I don't know if it's the speed of the game, if it's the size or the strength or whatever, you know, the myriad of problems might be. Is Cadeau a different kid? Like, is this the type of thing that because he's a little older and because he's had such a an array of experience that it might actually work for him? Or, or am I just, you know, am I being hope upon hope here? No, I think the fact that he's aware of those struggles, even, you know, he's done plenty of interviews where he's mentioned that when we talked to him after his UNC visit, he talked about just, you know, reclassing it with point guards is traditionally, like he said, not gone well, and he's aware of it. So my thinking is if you're aware that there's a potential problem, then you're less likely to, you know, commit that problem. I think some of the guys in the past just thought they were the best thing ever and thought, oh, I can reclass and be good and go to the NBA after one year. And it's just, it's not as easy as it seems. So I think the fact that he is aware of that will help him as he decides what to do. Um, but again, just to reiterate, this this is a huge commitment for UNC. If you go back uh, basically, I guess, 23 years, let's just go back to 2000. The point guards or lead guards, whatever you want to call them, uh, who are ranked in the top 10 that UNC has either committed or signed, it's a short list. It's Raymond Felton. It's Ty Lawson. It's Cole Anthony and it's Caleb Love, and now it's Elliot Cadeau. So that's that's five guys in 23 years. So it doesn't happen often, um, and I think each of those guys has either had um, a ton of success at the college level, the NBA level, or both. You know, Caleb is still TBD as far as the NBA, but I, I think most people would take his college career with some of the shots he's hit and some of the things he's done. And then Felton and Lawson uh, both won, uh, I, I'm drawing a blank, the, the Koozie Award, both Koozie Award winners. Um, and then Cole, obviously, was a first-round pick. So um, usually when Carolina gets a player of this caliber, he has a, a really good career, whether it be at UNC or both in the NBA as well. Sean, I want to get your take as well on how uh, how reclassifying usually sets up for a point guard prospect and why it typically doesn't work. I threw out a couple of things, but in your opinion, what's what's been the, I guess, the, the big hurdle there for for players who reclass at that position to, to get over? I mean, I, th- I think they're... When you're, no matter if you're just going from EY Bale into college or, or high school, there, there's going to be that significant athleticism and strength, um, you know, just just adjustment that that needs to be made uh, going into the need to really learn how to, you know, you need to know how to run all the plays. You need to be the quarterback at that position, and I think the combination of those uh, can definitely definitely take some time. Um, I mean, I think you've seen at UNC, it's been rare. For somebody to to jump in and just snap of the fingers, they're running 
Uh, now, obviously, there's differences between Roy's offense and and Hebert's offense, but you know, Kobe White was was one that got it right away. But I think there is that just athleticism and strength, uh, just physical um, adjustment that needs to be made. But then there's a lot more expected uh, from really knowing knowing the plays, knowing knowing the callouts, um, knowing how your teammates are playing. That there's a lot that's expected of the point guard versus maybe somebody that's a, a three or a four. All right, Sean, last question for you, and I'll, I'll hand it to Sherelle to put a bow on this thing before we get out of here. Um, to me, the, you know, the uh, uneducated eye, I see a 6'1 kid that's got some, got some ups. I, I, I mean, he's been quite impressive um, finishing on the break. He's, as you mentioned earlier, he's really good at distributing the ball, and, and sometimes some of his teammates are shocked that he's getting them the ball in those positions. Uh, what else are we missing about this kid? Uh, am I oversimplifying, or is he just is that is this what a number one point guard in a class looks like? It's funny, and I don't know if it's it's me, but I think when initially watching him, if you're just watching him in the half court set, you can tell that he's he's quick, but I don't think his athleticism jumps off uh, immediately. But then once you're seeing him in that in that full court in the transition, and I know he's listed at six one, but uh, you, you know, there's always an inch or two added to those. So I'm not sure what his actual height is. Uh, I haven't seen any actual measurements on wingspan, but it doesn't look like he's he's super long. So when you do see him on the break and you see him just rise up so easily off that left foot um, and, and throwing down dunks, you kind of, you're, you're taking it back for a second. You know, we talked about NIL. So he does have his own website. There's a self-reported 33-inch uh, standing vertical and and 41 um, on there, which almost matches up with what Cole Anthony had in high school. Um, although he was much more of a, a two-footed leaper, uh, you know. Same with Trimble, who who that um, you know that athleticism jumps off the screen. But in terms of of Cadeau, um, you know, I think thinking the best way to of phrase this, he almost takes a lot from those point guards that Sherelle mentioned. Um, and maybe is not going to outdo them at their their best trait. You know, I would put him a, a shade below Kendall Marshall in passing and definitely not at Ty Lawson's quickness, but he's kind of up there in that upper quartile and really all those all those factors, um, which I think makes him that number one number one point guard. And then, you know, one other thing we we haven't really talked defense at all and and I think uh he has pretty quick feet on defense. He's he's good at Closing out, uh, I think the size people will definitely try to take advantage of that. Whether it's posting him up or trying to get him on bigger players, uh, so I think that'll be one of the the main things to watch defensively, uh, and then offensively is just how his how his shooting continues to progress. Um, you know, going through all of his stats, there's around 130 track threes. I know there's a lot more than that, and he was shooting, I think 30 percent, 31 percent on those. But when you're looking more um, Peach Jam and Kansas City, so July Nike, as well as uh, European basketball, he's up over 40%. I think in Sherelle's weekly scoop, he had him at 38% in high school, but I'd say that's definitely one one area to watch. Um, and then last thing is just how how will that dynamic work depending on whether he reclasses or not. Most likely there could be Seth Tremble uh, as well as Simeon Wiltshire. And you kind of have a lot of guys that that play well with the ball in their hands. I think Simeon Wiltshire is a guy that 
uh, would rather distribute than than be a thirty point score. Um, so I think how do those guys play together? Who 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 if any becomes alpha score or who will that be on the UNC team? But for the most part, it's a, a dynamic point guard that that is uh, very very strong in a lot of categories and and is a great get for for UNC. And something I should have asked you about, I, I feel like you feel like just his patience is something that jumps out at you. Maybe that's why he doesn't look as quick, but he definitely looks under control. Yeah, I think that, yeah, that's a, he's, he's always under control. It's rare to see him get sped up. Uh, so he's kind of operating cool. at the pace he wants to operate at. And then all of a sudden, you know, off the pick and roll, it, it's, it's a quick move for a, you know, pop, you know, spotting up from from 15 or it's a um you know a quick first step you know in that city of palms game that that got him by off the dribble sometimes though he does um you know if he's not getting by defenders off that first step um you know he he loves to go to this left to right crossover which which can free him up a lot of times but i think sometimes he can struggle to free himself initially but at the same time, since he is playing under control, he can usually dictate where he wants to go and how he wants to get there. And then he has a variety of moves um, and counter moves once he's once he's in motion, uh, as well as when he does get that step, he knows exactly where a cutter is or where that open man is. And, you know, I, I know we haven't seen that many alley-oops uh, at UNC over over the years, but I think you'll, you'll definitely be seeing a lot uh, with the ball in his hands and, and with... Uh, you know, with who UNC has on the wings and the big men. All right, Sean, last thing. I know I said that two questions ago, but um, is there anything you want to uh, you want to say about, you know, I, I know you've got a, a breakdown on the site now and some, some video, anything else you want to share for folks to look to that, that might give them some some insight about his game? Yeah, so there's an article that um, is coming out with with a commitment uh, that, that goes through really his his offensive and defensive abilities. The video only focuses on on the city of Palms, which was two games, and he went from having a, a fifteen point nine assist game um, to the second game, didn't score in a blowout win, uh, but he did have some some nice passes as well. But I would definitely check out uh, some of what we were talking about earlier uh, with the the Sweden Denmark game being one where he had thirty three points, um, as well as some of the Peach Jam, and then. Link Academy is going to continue to play high level competition this year. So there should be some more opportunities to see him play and see him play with talented teammates. All right, Cheryl, I want you to wrap with this. What else is North Carolina looking for with this class? You know, they now got Drake Powell and Elliot Cadeau, assuming he stays, but we really don't know yet. So, so what else is North Carolina looking for, uh, you know, with their current recruiting efforts? Yeah, they could still be looking for a lead guard. To your point, um, <laughs> we're not we're not sure yet. Uh, so Boogie Flan still has an offer, and I don't think that's going to change because of Kado's commitment now. Whether or not Flan would would want to come, uh, depending on what UNC's backcourt might look like, is a different question. But I, I do think um, they'll continue to recruit him because he he's another elite uh, ball handler, and um, you know he's also from the New York area, so that is uh, important for UNC these days. Uh, then obviously Jaron Stevenson um, from Pittsburgh because the Seaforth High School um, remains one of UNC's uh, remains UNC's top target. I would say uh, has had an offer since last October, so October of 2021. He's taken an official visit to Georgetown, 
uh, unofficial visits to I believe NC State in Virginia and has an official visit scheduled to Missouri in January. We expect him to take an official visit to UNC. Uh, so just kind of waiting to see what happens there. Um, and then I would say the other um, active offer that's out, uh, active offers that are out, Ian Jackson is scheduled to visit uh, in a couple of weeks, actually, I think January 6th for UNC's uh, game against Notre Dame that weekend. Uh, he is a, another guard slash wing from New York, if you're sensing a theme. And then James Brown, uh, the big man from Chicago, um, already took an official visit to UNC, and he's just kind of mulling what his next steps are going to be. So those are the what I would consider the active offers from UNC. And again, I don't think we'll – definitely won't for this class. I don't know if we'll ever see a five-man high school class again. Um, so UNC is at two, uh, and I think, you know, one or two more, and, and, and they'll be done because uh, they have had a lot of success uh, so far with the portal, and um, I just don't think the, the days of five-man high school classes are over. Um, the overall thing I would say about Cadeau, in addition to what's already been said, uh, is just the reemergence of UNC in New York. Kira Davis has made it a huge, huge priority um, since he you know, became the head coach when he was an assistant coach. If you look at the New York players in the roster uh, the last few years, R.J. Davis, he committed under Roy Williams, but his lead recruiter was Kira Davis. Cole Anthony was uh, signed and committed under Roy Williams, but his lead recruiter was Kira Davis. And then uh, they've offered uh, a, a bunch of other players who decided to go elsewhere from New York. Then they have offers to Jackson, to Flan, and now they have Cadeau from New Jersey uh, committed, as well as Wilcher signed. So it is clear that New York, uh, New Jersey is going to be prime recruiting territory for North Carolina moving forward. Um, you know, if you thought it was a, a, a one-time thing or a one-class thing, go ahead and, and dissuade yourself of that notion now because it's, it's here to stay. Frank McGuire and Dean Smith uh, are looking down fondly upon those developments uh, with with the track record that they had with with guards from up in that area. All right, boys. Well, Christmas come late for the Tar Heels, but I uh, hope that I hope that the folks that have listened and watched this uh, this pod today have have learned something and are excited to see uh, Elliot Cadeau in a Carolina uniform. Fellas, I appreciate you making time for us. Uh, thanks for bringing the insight and bringing the heat, kind of jumping in and being at the ready for for these developments, but. Uh, Sean Moran, Sherelle McMillan, shout out to Johnny T-Shirt for sponsoring. Shout out to John Siegley for producing. I'm just Joey Powell. Appreciate you guys listening. This has been an emergency podcast from InsideCarolina.com, a coast-to-coast, talking about Elliot Cadeau's commitment to Hubert Davis and the Tar Heels. We'll catch you guys next time on our regularly scheduled episodes of the Coast to Coast podcast, available wherever podcasts are sold or wherever you get your whatever, however they say that. Get your podcast from there. We'll talk to you guys sometime very soon. Appreciate you being a part of the show. Catch you down the road late. The time has come for drag queens to save the world. RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars is back on Paramount Plus, and for the first time ever, I want you to use your talent for good for a change. <laughs> Eight iconic queens are competing for the charity of their choice. This is how you do drag. Who will slay it forward, win cash for their favorite cause, and a coveted spot in the Drag Race Hall of Fame. RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars, new season now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Go to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply.